Welcome to Express Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We are a ministry of Arizona Message Ministry, the message to the number two dot US. And we are supported financially by Haribo Books, haribobooks.com. Make sure you go on there, buy some of the books that are there, donate them to your school, donate them to your church, donate them to your library so we can get the message of hope and the message of encouragement out. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the church experience that we call Express Church, the church that's delivered to you in your home. Thank you for opening your home for us to join us in fellowship in God. Even though we're separated physically, we're united in fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And this message is a very difficult one for me to present. The events of my home state, Minnesota, where I was born, raised, have my children. My children still live there. Some of my grandkids live there. Things that are going on in Minnesota caused me some distress over the past week. But at the same time, I was so happy that friends here, some of my minister friends, friends that I had in Minnesota that moved to other parts of the country, friends that I still have in Minnesota, called and wrote and texted and emailed asking how I was doing. So I thank everybody that reached out to me and, and asked how I was doing, given what was going on in Minnesota. On Friday, I received a call from my bishop. And the bishop wanted to know how I was doing, and I told him I was tired. And the bishop, who is in the health diet, he's a, he's a pharmacy technician, he works with trying to keep bodies healthy. He said, are you taking the necessary fuelings and are you drinking enough water to keep you from being tired? And I said, Bishop, I didn't say I was tired. I said I was tired. There's a difference between being tired and being tired. Tired is when you have circumstances that happen in your life that just wear you down to the point where you don't feel that you can even get up and go on. I told him I was tired because I was angry. I was angry at what was going on. And the bishop, because I report to him and my ministry reports to him, wanted to know what was causing me to be angry. And after I got done telling him why I was angry, he said, you got to preach that. He said, people need to hear it. People need to hear it. So I started go writing stuff down. Talked to my brother, the doc, yesterday. He said the same thing. People need to hear it. So the message that I have today is, when will it end? And I was struggling to, do, to, to put this message out because I never wanted the pulpit to be a political place to say political things. I always wanted this to be God's space, God's holy space. And the bishop said, what you said to me had to be God-inspired. So if it's God-inspired, it's God's space. So I'm praying that what I say today is pleasing to God and remains God-inspired. I had to look in one of my favorite Bible verses is Ephesians 4.28. Ephesians 4.28 says, let no unwholesome words come from your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up in according with their needs, 
that it may benefit those who listen. I hope that the words that I say today will be that. And, and Ephesians 4, 28 goes on to say, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. I highlighted anger because I needed to hear God's word speaking to me. Brawling and slander and every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate. I needed to hear that too. I had to put that in bold as well. It's something that I need. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Be imitators, therefore, of Christ and live a life of love just as Christ loved you. This was a reminder during the time when I was going through this week angry at what was going on. People asked me, why are you angry? And I have to respond to them when they ask that question, why are you angry? You may not know why I'm angry, so you need to take a trip with me. And that trip takes you back to the 1800s in Texas with Big Jim Zachary, who was a slave. The slave, he was beaten and forced into making Texans rich. Texas, one of the richest places in the entire world. My grandfather was beaten and forced into labor to help that economy grow to what it is today. Why am I angry? I'm angry because of the stories that my grandfather, Jay Zachary, told me. Jay Zachary, and I was so blessed, he was born in 1872, and he died in 1982. He lived to be 110 years old, and I sat at his foot, at his feet, listening to the stories that he told me, and he spoke of what he called the white horsemen, and the white horsemen would come into the area where they were living with the sole purpose of coming in to lynch one of the men, to lynch one of the women, coming to that area to take young girls or wives or mothers out to do all sorts of manner of things to them, to come to get young boys to use as target practice while they had their gatherings and laugh. Why am I angry? I'm angry because my grandfather told me how they used to have school at night under the candlelight, under a blanket, because the white horsemen would come along and they would look for lights at night. And if they saw the lights, they would come into the house. And if you had a book, you would be taken out immediately and lynched. No trial, no justice. Why am I angry? I'm angry because I saw the tears that were in my grandfather's eyes when he talked about his brother Levi. My grandfather said, I told Levi to come north with me. See, Levi decided he needed to stay in the south. He needed to stay in Texas. He needed to fight for the cause of freedom. He needed to fight for the cause of liberty. And what happened to Levi was he was lynched. No trial no justice. I'm angry and I carry, I carry the same anger that my grandfather has at young kids who don't want to go to school, young kids that don't want to study, young kids that don't appreciate the fact that they can go to school in a free society, not under candlelight, under a blanket. That's why I'm angry. I'm angry because of what happened to my grandfather, Dr. E. Thomas Scales. Oh, now you got to take a trip. We've we were in Texas, and now we're taking a trip to Iowa, where my grandfather rode a train. My 
Mom said, and she still has it and says it with great pride, the Rock Island Line. The Rock Island Line is where my grandfather, Dr. E. Thomas Scales, rode with my grandmother's father. And my, grand, they, my grandmother told me the story about how he had to serve the same white students, faculty, administrators who he went to medical school with. While he was on the train, they had the privilege to be able to call him boy, and he had the orders that he had to call them sir. Yes, sir. What else can I do for you, sir? He then had to go into medical school, and they told him a train porter, not a medical doctor, was his place in life. After medical school, he went to a hospital to get hospital privileges, and that hospital would not give him hospital privileges because of the color of his skin. Why am I angry? Fast forward with, with me. 50 years, I hope you're tracking with me, where my brother, who was in that same hospital, Dr. D.C. Zachary was in the same hospital, and one of the hospital staff snatched a chart from his hand and said, you can't look at our, our patients' files. Why am I angry? If you want to know why I'm angry, you have to go to 1950, to Minnesota. I see we're taking that train. I don't know, my mom didn't tell me how far the Rock Island line went, but we're riding that train from Texas to Iowa. We're in 1950 in Minnesota, the same place where George Floyd was killed just a little while ago. And I want you to look in, into the life of my father, Percy Zachary. He played football at the University of Minnesota. He gave up his body, had his bones broke for the benefit of the University of Minnesota. But he had to get his pregame meal. If anybody played football, if there's any football players out there, if there's anybody that played college football, anybody that plays professional football, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the pregame meal. He had to get his pregame meal at the back door of the country club because blacks were not allowed inside the country club and the black staff members had to give him his food and his food was the scraps that the other football players discarded. Why am I angry? This gives me a little hope in the middle of my anger. The black servants who worked the country club would give my dad the scraps and he said, give these to your mother. My grandmother would take the scraps, boil them, and then put white beans. Oh, have, you, have you ever had a bowl of white beans with nothing but pig scraps, uh, steak scraps? That's what they had. But the purpose of her doing that is so that when travelers from the south would come up trying to flee the oppression from the South, they knew that they could come to her house, to my dad's house, to his family's house, and get a, a meal and a place to stay. Genesis 50, 19, and 20. And I am in a place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what, had now, what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I can see my grandmother 
who had a great voice singing that as she was making the, the white beads. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That was Jacob talking to his brothers when they sold him into slavery. And my grandmother, a descendant of slave, was, was doing God's work and God's will and God's love that we spoke about when we talked about it from Paul's perspective. Why am I angry? Oh, we got to fast forward a little more. We went from 1950. We're now in 1980 at the same university, the University of Minnesota Law School, where I entered to go to law school. I got there and they said, the only reason why you're here is because we have to fill a black quota, a black quota. You're just an affirmative action hire. You're not the person who belongs here. I'm angry. Why am I angry? To, be, to know why I'm angry. And if this has never happened to you, you may never understand and appreciate why I'm angry. And I, and I understand that. But I want you to understand, at least hear, why I'm angry. A five-year-old, Stephen Zachary, was in an all-white school, taunted to tears by students because of my race. Tears that brought my father to have to come down to the school to pick me up. As I'm riding home in the car, my dad said to me, if you ever get treated like that and don't fight, I will be the one who will be beating you. Oh, man, every time I think about that, it, it, it moves me. And it moves me because how would you like to be a father who knows they cannot protect their child? How would you like to be a father who knows because in 1963, when I was five years old, there was no civil rights laws that protected somebody from discrimination, harassment, hostility, and there was no trial and no justice. That's the life that my father had to try to raise his five children in. I have sadness because I have five-year-old grandchildren. And I wonder how they're going to be treated. And I wonder if I'm going to be able to be in a position to be able to protect them. People want to know why I'm angry. I'm angry because when I was in grade school, my brother, the doctor, oh, we're going to take a little step into about 1968. I'm in grade school, my brother, the doctor. So understand this. This is a lawyer who graduated from a top 20 law school and a doctor who graduated from a top five medical school. We were in, in a grade school and they said neither one of you is going to be able to make much of themselves because of who you are, and so you need to go to the remedial class and, get, and be in remedial education. Well, we took that remedial education and turned it into what was going to be our motivation for our success. What they meant it for evil, Doc, we meant they, we, God meant it for good. I'm angry because my mother had to sit us down and she had to tell us why, out of all the boys in our two classes, because there was two kids in our classes that were brothers one year apart as well, and they were having a party at their house for all the boys in both of those classes. And my mother had to tell me that she got a call from one of the other mothers, and that mother said, my husband will not let black boys into the house. So my mother had to sit, me, sit my brother and I down and tell us why we were not going to be able 
to go to this house. I'm not going to be able to party. Why am I angry, people ask? I'm still taking you through a trip, a little history trip that I was walking. We're now in 1989 when two unarmed Asian boys in the state of Minnesota were shot in the back. At that time, I was a civil rights and NAACP attorney. We met with the, with the political leaders at the state capitol, and the state capitol of Minnesota has a rotunda. In the rotunda, there was 450 people who gathered peacefully. 1989, we gathered peacefully. In 2020, they still want us to gather peacefully. Why am I angry? What happened in between there? Let's talk about what happened in 1989. In 1989, the political leaders promised change. I'm angry because we had that vigil on what is called in some religious uh, denominations, Innocence Day. Innocence Day is a day that commemorates the killing of young children by King Herod when he was looking for the Christ child. Innocent day. That's the day where young people in our society today are still being killed by government officials who, who look at us and look upon us in disdain. We had a vigil, peaceful vigil they asked us to do. And changes happened. But I was angry because I didn't stay vigilant to make sure that the changes that happened would not change. And Matthew 12, 43 and 45 says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, and I'm going to add it, comes out of a government, comes out of a nation, comes out of an entire group of people, it goes to an arid place seeking rest, but doesn't find any. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. There's no evil spirits left in there. That's how I felt when we left out and we made the changes in 1989 and 1990. Then it goes and takes with it seven other evil spirits more wicked than, than itself, and they go and live there. And the final condition of that man, the final condition of that state, the final condition of that country is worse than the first. And Jesus said, that is how it will be with this wicked generation. That's Matthew 12, 43 and 45. And I hope we just take a pause here for a moment and reflect on Jesus's words. And that is how it is with this wicked generation. Seven times the evil spirits. We didn't keep vigil. We didn't keep strong. We didn't keep alert and all of a sudden evil spirits seven times greater than the one that was in 1989 came and eradicated all the changes that we have why am I angry I'm angry because I wonder how I went about giving justice to the two young Asian boys how did I do when did I give them their family justice given what is going on in our society today I'm angry because a friend of mine 40 years we've been friends. Their business was in the community since the 1800s. They were, it was looted. 
And I, I was in tears when she sent me a message saying, please have the church pray for our business because we were looted. This is a business where she would give free shoes. She would give free lunches. They would do a backpack drive and she would send out a message and say, tell the children to come to our shop to get uh, shoes and to get school supplies so that the kids who were in need would, have, would be able to go to school the first day of school ready to learn. And her home, her, her, and I call it her home because her and her husband worked in that place at least for as long, almost as long as I've known them, 40 years. They've worked in there every day except for Sunday. I'm angry because people told me when I was head of the NAACP, when I was an attorney fighting for the cause of justice and liberty, they said, if you don't back down, your career will be over. I didn't back down, and from a worldview, from a world financial view, they were right. From a standpoint, they must have known they were going to go out and get seven more wicked people just like themselves seven times and come back in. And the condition that I would have left it in was worse than the condition that we had at that time. I was NAAC president. I used to get death threats. Death threats so much that I told my children, if anybody asks if you're related to me, say no, because I don't know if they want to hurt you or not. Oh, man, another, another moment where I had to think about that. How, if, you, if you've never been in a situation where you're worried about your, your children's physical health because you're fighting for justice, then you, don't, you can't understand possibly my anger. But I hope that you will just listen to it. I hope that it will be words that will help you in order to understand the anger that is going on around our country and around our world. And I hope it will motivate you to decide to do something about it. Why am I angry? I'm angry because I heard a question my mother asked. My mother asked a question. When will it end? When will it end? When will the murder, the violence, the looting in her state, when will it end? That was the question she asked. And we know part of the answer. What's part of the answer we know? It didn't end during J Big Jim's life when slavery was ended. But in Texas, they said, we're not ending slavery, even though the federal government said slavery was ended. And next week, we're going to be celebrating Juneteenth, where the government had to send in troops to free the slaves in Texas, where Big Jim was living as a slave. It didn't end during that time. When will it end? It didn't end during Jay Zachary's or Dr. Scale's lifetime. When will it end? It didn't end during Percy Zachary's lifetime. And what really saddened me and what really angered me was the answer that my mother gave. My mother gave an answer and said when, when, to her own question, when will it end? Her answer was, not during my lifetime. I'm angry to think that I might have the same answer that my mother has. When will it end? Sadly, I believe, unfortunately, that it probably won't happen. That it probably. I'm angry because I fear that it, my grandchildren will have the same answer. I had a grandchild who was just born a little while this, this year. And I fear that when he is my age, in the 60s or my mother's age, I'm not going to say her age because 
she's in the in the room and we're just gonna let that go but uh, we're even at her age I'm I fear that my grandchildren will have the same answer when will it end not during my lifetime that's a great question and I'm angry because in a country that says it is one nation united under God completely for liberty and justice for all still goes about wanting to kill young black people. Why am I angry? Because I have a son who's in law enforcement and he loves, he loves people and he wants to protect and serve. And he, I was texting back and forth with him and he said, I said, I've been praying for you. He said, why are you praying for me? Because I know you're in harm's way and you're in harm's way because of what somebody else did. You're in harm's way because people are going to judge you for the actions of what somebody else did. And he came back and he said, I've been praying myself. I've been praying that God protect me. I've been praying that if something happens to me, that God will forgive my sins and protect my family. If you've never been in a situation like that, if you've never been in the feet of uh, had to pray to God that prayer, God protect my family if I don't make it home, then you don't understand what the police are going through. We need to look at them in their eyes as the, well, as the same way that we want them to look in, the, uh, in our eyes. 30 years, 1989, I had a, oh, <laughs> I, wanna, I don't want to forget this part. In 1989, an affirmative action quota filling black lawyer had a landmark victory to outlaw gender discrimination I didn't even know how big the case was myself and my my law partner who was from Jackson Mississippi area who had to get their books they got a call to get permission to go in the white neighborhood yeah they had to get permission oh I want you to make sure you understand this permission to go into the white neighborhood, to dig through the trash, to get the books that the, the other schools threw out so that they could take the books back so that they could learn uh, from the books that were thrown away. He and I went to the, to the Court of Appeals and won a case that outlawed gender discrimination. We got calls throughout the country. I was asked to speak at symposiums which in, in law schools. How was I supposed to get invited to a law school symposium when I wasn't even supposed to be in law school because I was an affirmative action quota person? But I got I, that, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I'm angry because 30 years later, we have, a, have to have a U2 movement that talks about the things that we thought were eradicated in 1989 and 1990. Why am I angry? I'm angry because of lack of leadership, leadership that we have put in place that should have, that should have responded immediately. It took days before the, the governor and the attorney general were able to come down and say, we're taking over this investigation. I'm angry because I'm still waiting for the president of the United States. And, and I want to make sure that, that no one's thinking that I'm pointing to one political party or the other because the governor and the attorney general of Minnesota are Democrats. The president of the United States is Republican. I worked for a Republican governor in Minnesota and ran as a Democrat in the state of Arizona. So I don't have a political affiliation either way. I just like to look at liberty and justice and call out what it is and what it isn't in the name of Jesus Christ. And I hope that what I'm saying will be acceptable in the eyes of God. But we have, 
I was angry to know that we will send out the National Guard, we'll send out the military, we'll send out riot police to protect property. And I asked myself, where was that militia when it was time to protect George Floyd? Is property more important than human lives? Or are black human lives still considered property? I'm going to take a little drink because I want that question to, to, to sink in. Is property more important than human lives? And is a black human life still considered property? Why am I angry? I got two minutes and Jeff's going to turn the, the, the camera off. So I'm going to bring it to a close. Why am I angry? I'm angry at myself. I'm angry at myself because I preach forgiveness, I preach, preach joy, and I preach peace. Boy, I hope, I'm glad I got that out. But the events in Minnesota and my family and my personal history, they, and the outlook of my mother's question, when will it end, saps my joy and makes me angry. When will it end? Sadly, humanity will force it never to end. The way that the path that we're on, going out in the seven more uh, wicked hosts, more st stronger than the last one, will come down and, and we will not be able unless we unite in our creed, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, clinging to Christ, being yoked with him as he asked us to and invited us to, to learn from him, learn love, learn togetherness, learn unity. If, if we do not do that, we will continue on a path of division and a path of hate and a path of evil. My prayer is, is for the country and it, that our, our collective consciousness of this country will fight for its creed and demand justice when it's lacking and unity where we're divided. Hope is the only thing that keeps my anger at bay. Hearing the words of my father that he told me over 50 years ago, I'm gonna continue to fight when injustice happens to my last breath, fighting for a better tomorrow, fighting to honor Big Jim, fighting to honor Levi, fighting to honor Dr. Scales, fighting to honor Jay Zachary, fighting to honor Percy Zachary, hoping and praying for a better tomorrow for my children and my grandchildren. That's all I can do to keep my anger at bay. I don't know what you're gonna do, but that's all I can do. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you to all our guests. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Stephen Zachary Minister Gilbert the Arizona Message Ministry on Facebook, and feel free to send me an email to themessage2.us or to my private website, stephenzachary.com. Thank you to Haribo Books for supporting us. That's haribobooks.com. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks.